link to use those podcasting uh, applications. So just head on over. So if you're on a YouTube channel and want to, we're looking something for a bit more usable when it comes to walking around the city. Uh, feel free just to search up the Amateur Bowl on Apple Music and Spotify. And if you're hearing us on Spotify or Apple Music for the first time, um, head over to YouTube to watch our uh, some of our uh, some of our previous videos because we have a lot of good content there. A lot of hard work, blood, sweat, and tears and into it, and a lot of funny and interesting graphics. And we are going to continue to try to build our empire and potentially keep growing on empire. the platforms. Uh, sorry, empire is probably a bit overstating it, considering I don't know how many fall how many followers we have right now. But uh, little house, our, yeah, our house our, made of straw. <laughs> we. Uh, We'll call this phase the renovation phase. We're trying to get to a nice house made out of brick. Yeah, we're working on it. Uh, yeah, and I think it's good for us to expand our, our base and the people that have access to us because we talk about teams and players and a lot of things that the, the media tends to overlook. These kind of, these, as you will, gone but not forgotten things uh, in the nfl from the 2010s and that's a perfect segue to our favorite segment the gone but not oh forgotten segment yep for sure so uh simon cue me in all right gone but not forgotten max the 2017 minnesota vikings yeah are my gone but not forgotten yeah this is the team that got simon into football go, go vikings <laughs> yeah so uh they it may be a bit of a cop out to pick them because of the Minneapolis miracle. They'll be they'll be remembered. Case Keenum, Diggs, sideline, <laughs> touchdown, unbelievable. Vikings win it. That that rings around in my head. I remember watching that, thinking the game was over, and I my feet hit the ground. I was up off my seat. My hands were up. I just there's no way to explain it. It just it just kind of happened. It was just. It was a magical moment. That's the best way I can describe it. Sure. And this team was actually quite magical. They had eight pro bowlers at many different levels of their offense and their defense. Actually, no, they had seven pro bowlers. But you could have very well called uh, a lot of their players that were borderline pro bowlers, like Stefan Diggs and Jarek McKinnon, who both had around 800, 850, 900 yards of offense from them. Uh, Jarek McKinnon was their starting running back, and he played relatively well in relief. Oh, no, yeah, Jarek McKinnon and Latavius Murray, because Dalvin Cook went down week four, which was rough because he was playing really well as a rookie. Case Keenan was their starting quarterback, which, I mean, it wasn't ideal, but he held down the fort really well. But you got to give him credit. He did a really good job as a, as a perennial backup to come in. They went 13 and three off of uh, a 1,000-yard season from Adam Thielen, made the Pro Bowl, and a defense that was just unreal. Mm-hmm. The Pro Bowlers on that defense, Anthony Barr, Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Harrison Smith. Those are the, those are the Pro Bowlers, and Harrison Smith was the first-team All-Pro. Daniel Hunter was coming off the other side of Everson Griffin. Eric Kendricks was on, was the middle linebacker. Both of those players have made Pro Bowls and first team All Pro teams since 2017. And this team was absolutely nasty. They went 13 and three again. They won a playoff game against the Saints. Got the two. Got the one seed. No, they got the two seed. The Eagles beat them in the uh, in the NFC Championship. That was kind of sad because this team really had the juice. 
and they could have gone all the way if they had Delvin Cook and no, if they had Delvin Cook, they could have. You could have very well said they would have been a Super Bowl team, just the, if that if their running game was more consistent. Just this team was blowing the doors off of teams. They had everything aside from a consistent running attack, and even then, Latavius Murray and Jerick McKinnon were fine. Yeah, I I really liked watching this team, and they're still really good, and they mm-hmm. still haven't made a Super Bowl. That yeah. they the the Minnesota Vikings were the hosts of the 2017 Super Bowl. So they almost became the first team in NFL history to make the Super Bowl in their own stadium. That would have been insane. You think they would have been the been Patriots? Re- yeah. Yeah, with Dalvin with Dalvin Cook, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I hundred percent agree on that. Um, but hold on, let me just let me just raise my mic a little bit so I can speak clearly into the microphone. All right, then let me cue you in. Yes, sir. All right, Simon. Gone but not forgotten. This is going to be my favorite Gone But Not Forgotten pick, maybe ever. But this week, my Gone But Not Forgotten pick is the 2016 Oakland Raiders. Ooh. Fair. Okay, (laughs) that's a fair um, pick. And let me just quickly go over some of the points I have here for this this particular team. Um, The 2016 Oakland Raiders went um, 12-4. Which was the which was tied for the best record in their division, the AFC West, with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, and just overall that team was really uh, they had a really talented roster uh, on offense. Their defense was was all right. Uh, Khalil Mack went off that year, and still like the Raiders were a middle of the pack, if even that defense. Um, they had a like they still had Amari Cooper, who is obviously he's not a, like a, an elite wide a wide up, but he's still very very good. Um, Derek Carr, that was obviously Derek Carr's uh, big year. We'll get into that a little bit in a second. Uh, Rodney Hudson at center, that was another really good uh, another really good player. I mean he's still on the team now, but he's not not anywhere near as good as he was back then. Reggie Nelson, Donald Penn. Um, yeah, like they, that team was just really good, um, and Derek Carr went down I think with two games left in the regular season, and if he doesn't go down, who knows? They they might finish with a better season than the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they probably don't get destroyed by the uh, Houston Houston Texans in the wild card game. So I mean, it's kind of too bad that the Raiders season basically collapsed on the Derek Carr injury. And because of that, I feel like because they got basically annihilated in the last three games of the season, they're never really truly going to be remembered as they should be or with the amount of respect that they should be. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, there was a player on the 2016 Raiders that was actually on the 2017 Vikings. And it was Latavius Murray, the running back, who actually he was I think he was better on the Raiders. I remember having him in fantasy at one point when he was on the Raiders and he was very, very solid. And in the Vikings, he comes into a bit more of a committee instead of being the, the lead back. And they, they, he played really well in both roles. Uh, if it weren't for, for him and that great offensive line with Penn and, and uh, Hudson, as you mentioned, then that, that passing game wouldn't have had as much uh, lust as it had that year with Crabtree and Cooper, who were both playing really, really good football. And Derek Carr, who's slinging the ball like nobody's business. I think he was an MVP candidate, was he not? In uh, before he went down with that injury. I believe so. He was going to be. 
one of the MVP can he was one of the top MVP candidates if he wasn't going to win it. It was it was going to be close either way. Yeah, absolutely. That that 2016 Raiders team was really fun to watch, just like the uh, the 2017 Vikings were. And these are two teams that we will probably never see again. Well, we we are still kind of seeing the that Vikings team right now, but Everson yeah. Griffin's gone, Xavier Rhodes is gone, Trey Waynes is gone, uh, Case Keenum's gone, uh, Stephon Diggs just left. The, the, the team is looking very different now. And of course, over, yeah. yeah, and of course their their offensive coordinator is Pat Shermer and their and their quarterback's coach coach was Kevin Stefanski. Both of them are gone too. So it's just it's a very different very different team now. And the Raiders are an incredibly different team now with Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper gone. Yeah, yeah. you don't look very happy yeah. about that. It's no, okay. They're re- they're they're rebuilding and they're looking pretty interesting. I'm sure we'll talk yeah, about them a little later in this video. Speaking of, oh yeah, absolutely. And speaking of these teams that we'll never see again, uh, kind of along the same line, there are teams that right now aren't all that good teams. We didn't really talk about in our last set of videos that kind of have exactly. They don't, they have these good groupings of players at certain positions that don't really get talked about because they're on a rebuilding team or a team that's just not very good right now or in a bit of turmoil. So we want to we want to rectify that, and we want to talk about those teams. So we want to be the um, good media, not the bad media. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So with that, we'll start with some of the offensive groupings, and I guess I'll start. I want to talk about the the Detroit Lions running game. In our last set of videos, we only talked about the Lions as an honorable for at quarterback for Matthew Stafford. And we talked about their defensive backs, which I have a lot of faith in. But we didn't talk about their their running game. And that's probably because the Lions haven't really had a consistently strong running game since Reggie Bush was on the team in the early 2000s. And now they have two running backs that are very talented and honestly very similar in their skill sets and what they could do. Those are Carryon Johnson, who was drafted two years ago. He's had two years in the NFL and has played pretty well. He was uh, he did rush for 100 yards in a game. That broke a very long streak of Detroit, Detroit Lions rushers that did not hit 100 yards in a game. And DeAndre Swift, who was the highest-ranked running back in the, uh, the this draft class, and he was the second running back off the board behind Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was drafted in the second round. They're both very explosive running backs, um, carry on Johnson and DeAndre Swift. They have a great skill set. They have an updated offensive line. The lines do with guys like Taylor Decker, Frank Ragnow, and it'll be better to run behind these guys. And they brought in Vitae from the Eagles. So it'll be a lot easier to run behind them. And I think the, the Matthew Stafford's been slinging the ball like crazy for the last 10 years. He gets a break and that'll be great for the offense. Having Matthew Stafford not having to throw the ball 50 times a game, 700 times a season, that'll be great for his longevity. Yeah. And I think I think that's what they'll they'll try to shift towards. They'll try to shift towards more of a rushing attack than a than a passing attack in Detroit. And I think that'll be great for these running backs. They have to be talked about. Yep. No, I I 100% agree. And I think the point that you made about the Detroit Lions not having that great of a passing attack, sorry, not not that great of a rushing attack. Is exactly why their offense is built is predicated mostly on the passing game, which I think is a huge reason why. If you look at Matthew Stafford's stats, you can see that consistently year after year he puts up a shit ton of passing yards, 
has a has usually has a pretty good uh, completion percentage, which is pretty impressive considering how many times actually has to throw the ball. But um, I really like the addition of DeAndre Swift to the uh, Lions. I cannot believe he dropped that far. I thought there were several teams that could have used him. And then Carryon Johnson again, he's very similar to DeAndre Swift in that um, in the way they play. And I just think that's a really formidable one-two punch. Again, not elite, not maybe not one or one through five, but I think they're still a very good group going forward. Yeah. And uh, the second team I want to talk about is a team that we mentioned a lot on defense, but their offense is incredibly underrated, rightfully so, because they don't—they're not the most talented group. But the Jaguars' wide receivers deserve to be talked about a little bit, at least as an honorable mention. Maybe not but inside the top suck. ten. I thought they were supposed to be dead last in the league and everything. Okay, well, if you think that that's the case, then watch one of our last videos about criminally underrated teams in the NFL. Yes. The Jaguars are probably the most criminally underrated team in the NFL. I think it's ridiculous. Well, just listen to the names that I'm about to list off. The number one receiver is DJ Chark. In his second year in the NFL, which was last season, he had 1,000 yards with a catch rate of around 62, 63%. Ah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Dude played really well. He's your, he's your outside guy. You bring in LaVisca Chenault, one of the higher-ranked draft picks, higher-ranked higher wide receivers in the, up, in the last draft. He was a second-round pick. Big guy, another outside threat. So he was really good at Colorado. Now he's here in Jacksonville with Minshew throwing to him. DJ Chark on the other side. You have D.D. Westbrook, who will probably be moved more towards the inside. He's a very talented player. Not a very big guy, but he and but he's more of a short target, and he's pretty good with what he gets. And another big guy that they have on the outside that people didn't really mention last year, but Chris Conley, I think he had like 700, 800 yards through the air last year. And he only really started getting hot like in the middle of the season. So he played really well. He came in from Kansas City, another big guy on the outside. Not the fastest, but he can he can get that jump ball. And those those receivers are going to be really good for a young Gardner Minshew to be able to grow with. You've got the talent in DJ Shark. You have the size in Chanel and Conley. And you have that, that safety blanket in D.D. Westbrook, a guy that catched 65% of his targets. So... They're young, and they're very athletic, and they're very talented. So, I mean, why why don't why don't you have why do you have this defense this offense so low when you have a very talented group of receivers and Leonard Fournette rushing behind a relatively good uh, run blocking offensive line? Mm-hmm. I just I don't really understand that. I think that I think their offense may not be amazing, but it'll be t- solid. And this wide receiver group is evidence of that. Yep. Again, uh, I thought that was a really solid pick, and I think a lot of that, a lot of things you mentioned, just have to do with the mediocre quarterback play we've seen in Jacksonville over the last couple of years. Uh, Gardner Minshew looks like he is—he's at least—he has potential to be a starter. I wouldn't say he has potential to be an elite quarterback, but he has the very least the potential to be a starter. But I think just the overall, um, the lack of talent on the Jacksonville Jaguars at quarterback the last couple of years has really caused a um, lack of attention to the wide receivers, if that makes sense. Just because it feels like even because we know that quarterback play plays a huge role in how teams do. Um, so I feel like because they haven't had 
an elite quarterback or even a great quarterback the last couple of years, it kind of takes away from their opportunities, which is also why I think Leonard Fournette is one of the only names I hear out of Jacksonville because his position isn't really so much dependent on quarterback play as himself, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I, it baffles me how the Jacksonville Jaguar just seem to be con- uh, consistently slept on and underrated, even though even as of right now, they're not the best team in the league, but that defense is still great. And that offense is at least me as is at very least league average, if not above that. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also another really huge fan of DD Westbrook and the, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars offense and wideouts. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of the reason they're they're ranked so low as a team is because they have to play the Colts and the Texans and the Titans twice yeah, a year, and that's rough. That's rough. Yeah. That's really rough. Mm-hmm. That that's that's a that's a bloodbath of a division. But I don't know. The Jaguars still have a fourth place schedule. They get to play the Dolphins. They mm-hmm. get to play the the team the Chargers, which won't be easy. They they have some easy some easier games than the mm-hmm. teams in their division have. And I think that has to be taken into account that there are a lot of, there are not a lot of teams that they play that they just can't win against. They, yeah. they're a, they're a scrappy team that now has some offensive punch, as you saw with the wide receivers that can really make some noise. And uh, did you have, you, you had offensive picks, right? I do. I do. Um, so surprise, surprise. My first group is going to be talking about the Oakland Raiders wideout group. Um, hey, 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 Vegas Raiders. Sorry, yeah, Vegas, Vegas. No. Damn it! You gotta see the Vegas Raiders uh, wideout group because uh, it's, it's hard to believe a little bit. Yeah. Now, now that they added Henry Ruggs, uh, I think that it kind of allows everyone to kind of fit into a role that's better suited for them. And what the basically what that by that I mean, now that you have Henry Ruggs who injured his leg, so as assuming he comes back into training camp healthy, just like he was before the before he injured his injured his leg he's gonna he's probably gonna be the number one wide out option for Derek Carr which allows Tyrell Williams and Hunter Renfro to slide down into the two and three wide receiver spots respectively which I think is perfect for that for each of them because I think as good as Tyrell Williams is he's not a number one I think he's a really good number two and Hunter Renfro is a number three is really solid he he was had a really solid rookie season last year and I think uh, he has potential to really kind of continue his uh development this year and that and hopefully in future years but i think he's a really solid number three uh they have nelson aguilar as a number four which is i mean he's not we obviously know he's a king of drops he's not great but he's still a pretty solid number four and then brian edwards again uh so brian edwards and keelan doss are probably going to be your uh five and six wideouts respectively and i know that they're, they're at least serviceable in the sense that if uh, if they have to play due to injury, um, that would basically mean your team would have to be decimated by injuries. But even then, like I still think that as a wideout group, it's not an elite group. It's maybe not even a great group. But I think uh, in terms of if you look at that group, it's a really well-rounded team of wide receivers that I think that people sleep on just because they don't really have like the, the star talent, to be honest. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I'm not going to add anything more because I think you nailed everything that needs to be said. The one thing I will say is that Nelson Aguilar has gotten a bad rap for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think the the reason the, the main reason why is because he took a he was a first round pick, which is a death sentence for a wide receiver that takes yeah. a long time to develop, which Nelson Aguilar did. He took a while to develop. He was supposed to be that number one guy in Philly when they drafted him. He never really was. When he kept he had his the ball when they won the Super Bowl. 
when they won their Super Bowl, he was actually very solid. He was a big part of that team. He was just that that second or third wide receiver option behind Alshon Jeffrey that just was really good because the the top guy was covering Alshon. He was there. He made some great catches. Didn't drop the ball as much as you would expect for one year, but then he just kind of fell off right back again. So that's kind of where the meme kind of resurfaced with Nelson Aguilar being the king of drops because, yeah, he dropped the ball a lot in 2019. But hopefully uh, Derek Carr, who's got pretty good ball placement and he's got a, he's got good reads. Hopefully that that helps Nelson Aguilar come back to being the sure-handed receiver that he was once. Yep. And just to quickly uh, talk about my second group, um, there's not really I have to say about this group because I, I believe we actually mentioned them a little bit in our in our power rankings video. But I just quickly want I, I just quickly wanted to talk about the Buffalo Bills wide receivers outside of Stephon Diggs. Um, so Stefan Diggs had a uh, sorry. So Stefan Diggs had a really good year last year with the Vikings, and he comes over to the to the Buffalo Bills, and he's going to be the number one wide receiver. And I think that move going from the Vikings to the Bills really has caused the other wide receivers in their group to be overlooked. Because I think if you look at the at the other players they have at wide receiver, I think this team's I think they're stacked to be completely honest. And I don't think any many people are talking about it. I mean. Their big three, if you will, are going to be Stefan Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. John Brown and Cole Beasley had really good years last year as Josh Allen's primary wide receiver targets. And I think now that Stefan Diggs is there, they're going to be getting uh, a bit easier matchups for them. And I think that uh, they're probably going to be getting more looks with the potential of teams double-teaming Stefan Diggs in that kind of realm. And then just even behind them as well, like Duke Williams, Robert Foster really surprised me last year. I thought he... I didn't really watch many Bills games last year, but I thought Rob, uh, Robert Foster is pretty good. And Isaiah McKenzie. So, I mean, to me, it's very similar with the Raiders in the sense that I think they have a really well-rounded group in the sense that they have uh, some really good talent up front. And even at the back in the back end of the group, they have at least serviceable and playable players. So it's not like they're, um, uh, they're going to be in trouble if people get hurt. So that's that's kind of really all, all I want to say about the Bills. I just wanted to give some of those other receivers a bit of love because I feel like since they traded for Stefan Diggs, a lot of those guys are getting overlooked. Yeah, and I'm going to overlook them for a second when I say that Stefan Diggs was in an offense in Minnesota that had a lot of mouths to feed between him, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, and uh, Kyle Rudolph. There was a lot there, and so no wonder he was – you know, disappointed with his role. He's a number one guy that was thrown into a barely number one role in Minnesota. So now he gets to gets the chance to get all those targets as the number one guy and really show the NFL why he why he's seen as one of those really high high cap, really talented players in the NFL. And I look forward to seeing him there. Yeah, and I, again, I think that the just the talent in that group makes it harder to, to double team Stefan Diggs because I mean. If you double team Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley's going to be open. If you double team Cole Beasley, Stefan Diggs is going to be open, and that kind of just kind of that type of relationship. And if you double team Cole Beasley, then you should probably be asking a lot of questions as a defensive coordinator. Yes, but anyways, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly speaking it. of speaking <laughs> of speaking of moving on to the defense, um, uh, one team we didn't talk about at all. I think we gave them an honorable mention at running back because of Christian McCaffrey, but we don't talk about the Panthers at all at any point. So I want to give them some love. It's their defensive line that I want to talk about specifically. They have it's they play in a three-four. So they have 
Uh, I think down the middle, they just drafted Derek Brown seventh overall. He's going to be their primary run stopper. He's going to have a monster year. He's going to be playing 16 games. He's going to be the starter on that new revamped defense with a new scheme with the new head coach, Matt Rule, coming in. I'm looking forward to seeing Derek Brown there. They have guys around him that are vets that have been around for a while, like Stephen Weatherly, who's finally going to get a, going to get a chance to start now that he was he was on Minnesota, that stacked Minnesota team that I mentioned earlier. And um, a guy that doesn't really get mentioned much, but his name is k Short. He's made two Pro Bowls and was actually a very good player. He, he got 11 sacks in 2015. Like this is a this is a very solid player that's had some injury issues over the last two years, so you know it's a bit underrated for that reason that their their star players have kind of had those injury issues, and now they have new star players. They draft Yitur Gross Matos in the second round, which is a great pick. Great name too. Great yeah, great name. Great name that I'm not really giving justice to. We'll put it up on the screen. Is it Gross Matos uh, or Gross Matos? Oh. We're going to start that. I'm so Rose sorry. Matos. I'm Rose sorry. And, uh, you know, he's going to be coming off the edge. Not starting, but he's going to be coming off the edge. And Brian Burns is coming off the other edge. He's obviously lined up at linebacker. But dude had seven and a half sacks in his rookie season. That's a that's a pretty good start, I have to say. So they're going to be pretty, pretty formidable up front. That's going to be the best part of their defense next year. And I wanted to talk about them. Yep. For sure, and I think they're kind of in the category as same kind of, same category as the Jacksonville Jaguars in some respects. I will say that I feel like because they're starting to kind of tear it down, they're starting to turn over a bit, start doing a rebuild. People aren't really paying that minute, that much attention to the uh, Carolina Panthers outside of Christian McCaffrey, who's obviously a ridiculous running back. Let's not kid ourselves here. He's probably he's a, a stud. Top, he's a top five running back, if if not top three. I would argue he's top three. But top two? Okay. 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 Cool. 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 Anyways, um, uh, again, I 100% agree with you. Uh, I really, I really like the addition they made in the draft. I think it was Derek Brown. Um, I thought that was a really nice addition. I think that he's kind of starting to again start to solidify that um, the defensive line with Kwan Short. Um, but. Yeah. Anyways, I'm, I won't really add. That's all, that's all I'll really say about the the Carolina Panthers. I kind of want to get into my pick a little bit just to kind of uh, save us some time here. And I just want to talk about the Indianapolis Colts linebacker core because again, that's another group we didn't really talk about when we talked about our linebacker positions. And kind of looking back at it, I wanted to give some of these guys some love. And the um, the first guy I want to talk about here is obviously. Um, He's our boy, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard is a monster who eats your dreams and hides under your bed during the day. Like, go check right now. I'm, t- I'm telling you, he's going he's gonna to come hunt you down. Like, this guy... He's probably lifting your bed up right now. He's probably, probably benching it. Probably. When you're downstairs, he's probably lift, uh, bench pressing your bed. But anyways... Easily. Um, he's just he's, a he's really... Probably, he's probably bench pressing your sister's bed, too. And your brother's yeah, bed. at the same time. Like, all of yeah. them. Like, the... Indianapolis Colts have a really, really, really nice one-two punch in Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker, who Anthony Walker is really starting to come on as a really solid linebacker, which kind of really gives the Indianapolis Colts some really nice depth there. They also have, um, I'm so sorry if I if I butcher your last name, Bobby Okariki. Um, I'm just going to call him Big Bobby O, because I think that's the Big Bobby O. Name. 
Big Bobby L is his real name. That's what we're going with. Gross uh, Matos and Big, Big Bobby L. Yes, we got sir. it. No, and like they also have uh, EJ Speed, Matthew Adams. Like again, like this, it's just such a well-rounded group. But they're not, again, they don't really have the skill set throughout it to really be an elite linebacker group. But I think, especially with having Darius Leonard and Anthony Walker. That's like a really nice one-two punch there, and I think that um, it's it's a really nice, well-rounded group in the sense that if they get hurt, they have some serviceable serviceable guys that can play, being led by Bobby Big Bobby O, and yeah, that's really want to that, that's all I really want to say about the Indianapolis Colts. I just think they have a pretty solid group there. Yeah, absolutely. Let me just read off because I just pulled it up. Let me just read off the the career stats of Darius Leonard. Mm-hmm. So. Seven interceptions, mm-hmm. one one touchdown off those interceptions. Sure. That's 15 passes defended, six forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, 12 sacks, 14 quarterback hits, mm-hmm. 19 tackles for a loss, and probably the craziest of them all, 284 <laughs> career tackles. That's fucked. And the craziest part, that was his second year in the league. Yeah. He's played 18 games. No, wait. No, 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 no. That, that, was, that was not good math. 28 games. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I think that's wrong, but yeah, anyways. Yeah. 28 games in his career, and he's done this. He's made the, he's made the Pro Bowl once, and he's been a first-team All-Pro once in two yeah. different years, oddly enough. But that's his career so far. Dude's insane. And Anthony Walker and Bobby Okariki. Big Bobby O. Yeah, there you go. I was going to correct you, but good job. It doesn't really matter how good they are. They're both great, but it doesn't even matter because Darius Leonard's there. It really doesn't matter. And speaking of greatness, there's a defensive back grouping that I completely forgot to mention in in our rankings that should have been in the top 10 above the Lions and above some of those other teams like the Vikings. I think they're better. It's the Dolphins' defensive backs. Yes, sir. because they have probably the two best cornerback, the probably the best cornerback duo in the NFL in Byron Jones, who they just gave big money to, but he's worth it. And Xavier Howard, both of which are one-time Pro Bowlers, despite only being in the league four or five years each, they've done a lot, and they're really good cornerbacks. And they draft Noeg Benogany in the first round to be their nickel corner. That's great. Eric Rowe at strong safety who once he made the switch from a cornerback in New England to a strong safety in Miami, he started playing really well, best football of his career, and he's going to continue to play that well. And I'm looking forward to that. And Bobby McCain is probably their weak link in the secondary, which is saying something. Bobby McCain, their free safety, who made the switch from cornerback to free safety last year and played relatively well. So having him there, having Byron Jones and Xavier Howard there, having Eric Rowe there, that's going to be really solid. And for a Dolphins defense that really can't rush the passer that much and isn't great against the run, not terrible, but not great, they're going to rely a lot on their secondary. And it's a good thing that these guys are here because, you know, if they, if they, didn't, have a second, if they didn't have a secondary as good as this, then teams are going to throw all over them. Yep. Um, again, those four names you mentioned uh... – Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, and Byron Jones are just a really solid. Um, I thought the addition of Byron Jones was was really, really important for that team, especially when you're talking about 
a team like the Buffalo Bills, who we just mentioned, love to chuck the ball down the field with Josh Allen's arm. Um, but that's just, a, again, that's a really deep group, a really well-rounded group, a group that we probably should have mentioned at the very least as an honorable mention in our when we're talking about our um, our defensive back video. But that Dolphins secondary is really starting to come around. I thought the, the uh, addition of Byron Jones really helped solidify that. Um, and I'm just going to quickly talk about my second defensive group, and it's another particular secondary grouping, and that is the Las Vegas Raiders again. You got it right this time. Yes, I did. Um, so again, I'll just keep this pretty quick. I thought the Raiders made some really nice moves on their secondary to, uh, to kind of really buff it up. And the, the big ones, obviously Prince of Mukamara. Um, Mukamara was, was, he wasn't the greatest player on the Bears secondary, which kind of says a lot because that Bears secondary is stacked with, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I just think they really have, a, again, I've said this a lot, but I don't really care, but they had a really nice grouping there. They have a really nice grouping there with Prince Amukamara, Demarius Randall, uh, Jonathan Abram, who's, who's coming back from his uh, season-ending collarbone injury and rotator cuff injury last year. So hopefully he's going to be fresh after having basically the full season off last year, coming back from rehab or from rehabbing a shoulder injury. Um, Trayvon Mullen was a, really impressed me last year. Uh, I think he, I think he has a lot of, of continues to show that he has a lot of upside in this league. And then, not to mention, they took uh, Damon Arnett last year, sorry, this year in the draft, 19th overall, which may have been a bit of a reach, but the fact that they wanted him that high at least tells me they they really liked him a lot enough to to not really worry about the risk there. And then they still have Lamarcus Joyner. Lamarcus Joyner, I mean, again, yeah, he's kind of he's getting up there in age, but he's still he's still serviceable. Um, uh, he's still a really serviceable cornerback. I mean, and at very least, he can help show the younger guys like uh, Jonathan Abram or Damon, uh, Damon Arnett, kind of show them how to be a pro in this league or how, how to be a, kind of show them how, what, what he would do when he was that, you know, that age. I just think they have a really kind of unique situation with some really talented young cornerbacks with some, um, with some other guys in that secondary who are kind of, maybe you're starting to see the twilight of a career who can kind of really show them the ropes, but they're still very serviceable and still very talented and, and frankly, still very good. Absolutely. And the, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders have a very distinct way of running their team with uh, Gruden and Mayock. They, <clears throat> they have their own scouting system. So Damon Arnett at 19, he was supposed to go second, third round, but you know, they wanted their guy. They got him again, yeah. Cleveland Farrell in the yep. in, at fourth overall Maybe people disagree with that pick. It is what it is. Uh, they, have their, they, they have their own way of, of scouting. And they have their own way of playing free agency, which is throw a lot of money at those big names. Like last year, LaMarcus Joyner. This year, Prince Amukamara and Demarius Randall. That's what they do. And their well, secondary they, has their secondary they, has yeah. really received the love from Mayock and Gruden by getting all those pieces as well as Arnett and Abram to really inject into their secondary, give it some life, give it some, give it some love and allow it to, to, to work. Yeah, what were you saying? I, I, you know, again, I think I just to quickly, I don't know what you're saying, 
I think the the addition of Abram and Arnett gives it some youth there because before they got there, it was a relative, it was a pretty old secondary. Yeah, that group couldn't really move all that all that well. All the Marcus Joyner was still pretty good. Um, they didn't really move all that well. So the fact they now have uh, Abram, who I think is going to be a stud for their secondary, as well as Arnett, who I mean we'll see, but I think people think he has he has some upside at least. Um, yeah, I think that was. I think both of those guys injecting some youth into that uh, Raider secondary is going to be key and vital. Yeah, and they have some depth with Trayvon Mullen, who actually had a pretty solid rookie season, considering he wasn't that high a draft pick. With ten yep. passes defended and fifty tackles and a pick, he did a good job, and he'll he'll have a bit of a break this year, be coming off the coming off the bench once again, and um, you know, it seems it really shows that they're that they're preparing for who's in their division. They have Patrick Mahomes in their division. They now have Drew Locke and uh, Justin Herbert in their division. Those are guys that like to throw the ball. And mm-hmm. having a good secondary is vital for that because now, you know, you, you're somewhat prepared for guys that like to throw deep. So here you go. Great job by the Raiders to really compete in their division because that's really the key in the NFL, to win your division because that's how you get into the playoffs. And I kind of look forward to seeing how the Raiders match up with those, those top-tier teams in their division. Yes, sir, for sure. That uh, it's going to be a very fun division to watch this year. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, that's that's all we got for you today. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, I really hope you enjoyed this uh, this episode. Uh, go check out our stuff on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, uh, our brand spanking new platform. And if you're uh, on their YouTube, and if you're on their Spotify, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcast, uh, head on over to YouTube for some good old comedic video content. <laughs>